I, I uh, like that song, too, that last, that, I guess it's the only song we sang this morning. Dave mentioned some of those words. We are prone to wander. We're prone to leave God. Do you think that's possible for you all? I mean, I suppose that you are on a spiritual high right now. At least you probably should be. If you aren't now, I wonder what it would take to get you there. But I wonder, how many of us have considered the fact that we are prone to wonder from God? So my, my thoughts running a little bit along that uh, line. I'm, it's, it's a pleasure to be here and speak with you a little bit. I, I wasn't sure what to speak about because I, as I was contemplating this, you have been studying the Bible for the last two weeks, solid, I mean, with a few breaks. And I wonder, what should I share that hasn't probably already been covered a time or two? But, you know, I'm not going to worry about that. I'm just going to share with you what I had this morning, and I believe the Holy Spirit can apply it, even if you've heard it before this week or last week or the week before. So it was the year 1759. The French and Indian War was raging, and we come to a battle known as the Battle of Quebec. This battle proved to be a deciding moment in the conflict between France and Britain over the fate of New France, or what we know today as Canada. There were two generals, General Wolfe, General George Wolfe, who was uh, commanding the British forces, and General Montcalm, who was commanding the French forces, and they were each trying to either keep or to win this city, the city of Quebec. Of course, the French would have had control of that at that point, but the city of Quebec, which was at that point the most important city in New France, was well fortified. It was a natural citadel. It was built on high ground along the St. Lawrence River. It was a fortress, kind of a natural fortress, naturally well defended. Plus, they had a lot of defenders in the city that were doing their best to retain possession of that city. The enemy was out there, okay? There was an enemy that wanted to take their city away from them. They were on high alert, continuously watching, alert for any indication of any attack day and night. They watched their borders. They, they watched the places they expected the enemy to attack. They were diligent. However, there was a part of the perimeter of that country that they thought was so well fortified, it didn't need to be guarded as well as the places where they expected the attack to come from. So one night, and they did a good job. They, they repelled the British forces many times over a period of three to six months, whatever it was. But one night, after three months of defeats and sicknesses and a lot of setbacks, General, <clears throat> General Wolfe landed his troops on the upside, upriver side of the city. And there, as he landed his soldiers on the shore, he asked them to scale a cliff that they faced, a 200, almost vertical, 
a 200-foot, almost vertical cliff that he asked his soldiers to scale. Just after 4 a.m. that morning, they began to scale the cliff. They made it to the top, and they quickly subdued the French guards that were there. And by daybreak, they had 4,500 men on the plateau. All 4,500 men scrambled up up that cliff. By daybreak, they were on the plateau. They went on to take the city of Quebec that day. And Quebec fell that day because its defenders failed to keep watch for that enemy. It's kind of a shame because, you know, just a handful of soldiers at the top of that cliff could have repelled hundreds or thousands of the enemy very easily but they weren't watching. They weren't watching. What I'd like us to think about is that it only took one night. These people had been diligent for a long time. It only took one night of them failing to be alert and they lost everything. Many of them didn't lose their lives. They escaped to fight another day. But they lost, they lost the, the battle, they lost the city, and eventually they lost possession of the country as well. So my sermon title this morning <clears throat> is Keep Thy Heart. Keep Thy Heart. I'd like to read a couple of verses to you. You can turn with me to Proverbs chapter 4. We have a command from God. This command comes directly from God through Solomon, or the writer here in Proverbs. And he says, you are to keep your heart. And then he tells us a little bit how to keep our heart. We're supposed to keep it with all diligence. And we have a heart that has a natural bend towards the things that are not godly, the things that are not good, the things that are evil. Our heart has a natural bend toward those things. Therefore, it is very good for us to heed this command that God gives us here to take or to guard our heart and to keep it with all diligence. So I would like to read some of these verses in Proverbs chapter 4. I think I will start at verse 13. Uh, we're just going to stay right here in, this, in these verses mostly, and we'll come back at the end and try and pull a few things out of here as to what God or what he, some pointers he gives us to be able to keep our heart. So verse 13, take fast hold of instruction. Let her not go. Keep her, for she is thy life. Enter not into the path of the wicked, and go not in the way of evil men. Avoid it, pass not by it. Turn from it, and pass away. For they sleep not, except they have done mischief. And their sleep is taken away, unless they cause some to fall. For they eat the bread of wickedness, and drink the wine of violence. But the path of the just is as the shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. The way of the wicked is as darkness. They know not at what they stumble. My son, attend to thy words. I'm sorry. My son, attend to my words. Incline thine ear unto my sayings, let them not depart from thine eyes, keep them in the midst of thine heart, for they are life unto those that find them, and health to all their flesh. Now here's our text verse, verse 23, keep thy heart with all diligence. Why? Why is this so important? Well, he goes on to say, for out of it are the issues of life. 
Put away from thee a froward mouth, and perverse lips put far from thee. Let thine eyes look right on, and let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet, and let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand, nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. All right, now, as you have, have been here studying and are on your spiritual high, possibly, if I was to ask you, how would you think you could best guard your heart? I wonder what your response would be. We don't have time for, for open discussion this morning, but what could you do more than you have done to make sure you walk with the Lord. What is the most important Christian discipline that you think you could practice that would help you draw closer to God and stay close to God? What would it be? Should we pray more? I'm sure you pray a lot here, and that is a good thing. Should you pray more, would that do it? Well, that may help. That may help. Prayer is essential for our Christian life. Should we read our Bible more? You've been into the Bible a lot the last couple of weeks. Would it help if you read it more? Well, again, that is very important. Bible reading is essential for Christian growth and Christian stability. That's important. Would more of it be, be the key then? Should I go to Bible school more? Instead of three weeks, should I do six weeks or nine weeks? Would that help me to be a successful Christian? Should I just try to know God more intimately? Should I try to reach out and be more intentional about reaching out to other people? Would that do it? Well, I would like to suggest to you there is one thing this morning, or the most important thing, that you can do to make sure that you have a close, intimate walk with God is to guard your heart. You can read your Bible more. You can pray more. You can do all kinds of more things. You can go to more Bible school. But really, the challenge this morning is to guard my heart. That comes first. If I guard my heart and keep it close to God, I will want to read my Bible more. I will want to pray more. I will want to be more intentional about speaking to other people about the Lord. So the first and most important thing this morning is that we would keep our heart. Which will bring everything else into, into perspective, I believe. All right, so I would like to go into a few def definitions here. He talks about guarding our heart. What does that word mean? Well, it means to protect our heart, uh, to maintain it. And it also means to obey, to obey God. And we're not talking this morning, when we're talking about guarding our heart, we're not talking about that little organ up here in our, in our chest that pumps blood all through our body. That's a really important organ, and we need that or we wouldn't be here this morning. But we're talking about the spiritual heart, a heart that's even more important than our physical heart. We're guarding our heart. We're guarding our seat of emotions. We're guarding that essence within us that makes us who we are and what we are. It makes us do what we do. And we'll talk about that a little bit more later. But it's, it's the control center. It's, it's the cockpit. If you, if you were flying 
somewhere, leaving here. Maybe you have to fly home. I don't know. We're going to drive our car. But if you were flying home in an airplane, you would want to have an airplane where someone has made sure they have guarded that cockpit. It hasn't been sabotaged. And when you're going to get up there mid-flight, something's going to happen and you're going to crash and burn. We don't want that. No, you want something that's been guarded. We guard our control center. We guard our, our, our cockpit, maybe you could say. We guard what makes us tick. Another definition here is, uh, is that we should, uh, th- this guarding is a monument uh, or a watchtower, something you observe from, something you look out from. This is also worth considering because as we guard our heart, I like, I like that word picture, that thing of a watchtower. You know, back in Israel and throughout the ancient world, watchtowers were a common thing. People built watchtowers in their vineyards. People built watchtowers in their fields and in the cities. And they used those to guard their property, look for danger, look for enemies. They were on the they were on the constant alert, especially in the cities, as they had their watchtowers on the city wall, as they, they had watchmen that were on that city wall looking out there, scanning the horizon, trying to make sure that nothing or no one took them by surprise. They were alert for danger. It would never have done, it would never have worked for that watchman to be asleep. What good is a watchman who is asleep? It is imperative that we as watchmen are alert. And I said we as watchmen. Who should be, who should be alert and watching? Who is it that should guard your heart for you? Is it Brother David? Or one of, your, one of the other staff members here? Should they be the ones that are guarding you? Is it your pastors back home? Are they the ones that are supposed to be guarding your heart for you? It's your responsibility, isn't it? Of course, those people I mentioned, they have a part to play. They help you. They guide you. They lead you. And they challenge you. And they want to help you guard your heart. But ultimately, it's your duty. If you are asleep in your watchtower, you will not be guarding your heart. And there are dangers all around us that will come in. So we are to be watching you are to be watching personally, but then also there is a, is a corporate watching as well that you can be part of. Even as youth, we guard each other. We help each other. You know, there is, in, in the cities, I mentioned the watchtowers in the cities. You know, you have a watchtower where? On just one corner of the city? No, you probably have them scattered around the wall, and you have multiple men in those towers watching, looking. You know, one can look out that direction, one can look out that direction. One, one man can't look every direction at once, and so we have a corporate guarding as well. I help you to guard your heart. You help me to guard my heart. That is important because alone, we will never make it. You know, there's people out there who want to try that. They can't get along with other people. They won't submit to anyone. They've got all the answers. It's a very unfortunate situation to find yourself in. And sometimes even young people feel that way. And I know that's already been touched on this weekend. I've heard heard that addressed, and so we aren't going to go there. But you are a part of helping to guard your church 
corporately, after you have been faithful in guarding your own heart. Why is it so important to guard against the enemy? It is because the enemy has one intention, one goal, and that is to destroy you. Do you care if you live or die spiritually? If you do, you will be on guard. Satan is not in this business just for fun. Satan plays for keeps. Satan is serious. He is intentional about what he's doing. How about you? Are you intentional about what you're doing? Peter told us to be vigilant, didn't he? Be sober, be vigilant, for your adversary is the devil as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Didn't he say something like that? You know that verse. Very familiar to us. I recently read a book that kind of brought a lot of clarity to that. In 1898, I believe it was, in the Sabo region of Kenya, you've been hearing some Kenya stories this week. I have nothing to tell you, but it comes long before Brother Merle's time down in Kenya. In 1898, in the Sabo region of Kenya, they were building a railroad. It was the Kenya-Uganda Railroad. They were building this through the jungles of Kenya, <clears throat> in the middle of nowhere. And, of course, they needed many men that they imported into that region for, as laborers, many Indians and many uh, Native Africans. And there was also a man by the name of John Henry Patterson from England who also went there and was kind of an overseer in this building of this railroad. As they were cutting their way through the jungle, as they were laying those tracks, there were many dangers they had to face. But there's one danger they hadn't expected. One night, there was a lion came into the camp. And many nights. But one night, there's a lion came into that camp, very boldly came into that camp and attacked one of the men in that camp and carried him off. Took this man physically. Now, I don't know how big lions are, but apparently they're very strong. Well, they did kill this thing eventually, and I think it was nine and a half feet from nose to tail. That's a big cat, but very strong apparently. They would take full-grown men, pick them out of their beds. That happened. Pick them out of their beds as they're sleeping in their tent, carry them off, and eat them in the jungle. So as, they, as this began to develop, the situation began to develop, these cats, there was two of them. They called them the man-eaters of Savo. There's a book, you can read it. Very interesting book. But in the jungle, it's very dark. It is so dark, you cannot see but a couple feet in front of you, unless there is a moon out. Very, very dark. These cats, no matter what they tried, they tried building walls around their camps of thorn bushes, thick, heavy, impenetrable walls, they thought. They could not stop the cats. The cats would find a way in, one after another. They would set up in trees with rifles, trying to be able to shoot these cats as they came to invade the camps. 
Whenever they would set up at one camp, there was camps all down the line within a a several-mile stretch. They would be at one camp guarding the one camp, and they would hear the shrieks and hollers and cries from another camp a mile away. The cat had struck there. Another man was taken. Sometimes two men were taken in a night. They tried a lot of things to get these cats. These cats were very smart, very intelligent. One time, they finally managed this John Henry Patterson as he was guarding this camp. He finally managed to get a slug into one of the cats, but they couldn't find it. Didn't know if they killed it or not, but the cats left for weeks, months, I believe. And the men all began to relax. The cats are gone. But finally, one night, again, the shrieks, the hollers, the yells, the terror came back. Another man was taken from his tent. These cats became so bold that they would take these men, they would drag them over, either over the fence or through the fence, just outside the circle of firelight, And John Henry Patterson describes that horrible incident. He says, you could hear the cat, but 50 yards away, devouring that individual. He said, you could hear the bones crunching. They could do nothing about it. They took their guns. A couple of them had guns. They would fire randomly into the dark, trying to hit this cat. They never hit him. They did eventually kill the cats, both of them, but not before, the the numbers wildly vary, but some people say 35, some people say 135 men were taken from those camps. That gives me a different perspective on Peter's words. You have an adversary, the devil, he's a roaring lion, He's out there. He's really waiting to get you. Now, as you think back on that story, you know, people try everything to try and keep Satan at bay. They're afraid of him. They they don't want him to get them. But sometimes we, like like those men, after the cats disappeared for a while, we get lulled into a false sense of security, don't we? We know what that's like. We think that Satan is just, he's, he's left us alone. He's after someone else. We're going to be okay. But you know what? When we aren't expecting it, here he comes again. He attacks someone else. You know, we have friends, we have acquaintances whom we have watched Satan devour. We've heard the bones crunching. The difference is that with God, God doesn't shoot blindly in the dark trying to hit that cat. God is intentional about having us, or God wants us to be intentional about avoiding this situation, this tragedy. That is why we guard our heart, because Satan is out there to devour us. All right, I got to move quickly here. The heart is naturally evil. This is why we should be careful to guard our heart. The heart is naturally evil. You know, every one of us has a definite 
moral character. The things that we do in life are not an accidental set of outward actions or circumstances. You know, the things we do come from somewhere. The things we do come from within. They flow from a fountain, a source. Our heart is what makes us do what we do. We said it's the control center, right? Our heart makes us do what we do. We don't like that sometimes. We mess up. We fail. Whatever happens, something goes wrong. And we say, well, that, that's not me. I'm, typ- I'm typically a good guy or a girl. You know, I, I, that's just not me. That's, that's not my character. Well, what I did came from somewhere. What is in here, what is in our heart, will come out. We talked about the watchtower of the city. You know, those guys in the watchtower, they are on the alert for someone sneaking in. Maybe, maybe it's in broad daylight, and they got, they got their citizens coming in and out of that gate. Even then, possibly they are scrutinizing those people as they come. Is someone trying to get in here undercover? Is someone trying to get in here in disguise so that they can see what we have, see our defenses, and you know, as a spy? Is there someone coming in here as a spy? You know, we need to have that same mentality. We need to be guarding our hearts against what might come in. I am, I am concerned as we, have, as we live in a time of, of uh, in a technology age, we have more opportunities than ever to fill our hearts with all kinds of things. We have never before had so many opportunities. We have we, have, we can listen to podcasts, we listen to sermons, we listen to uh, speeches, we listen to debates, <clears throat> we listen to music. All those things come flooding into our heart. What are you letting come in there? Are you guarding against what is coming in there? Are you analyzing what is coming in there? Or is it just flowing in with no thought for what it is? Our world is very different today than it was when I was a youth. You know, when I was a youth, if I wanted to watch the football game, I had to have a TV. Or I had to go to the neighbors and watch the football game on their TV. So the bottom line is I didn't watch football. How is it today, guys? I'm just saying there's things that are coming into our hearts that we need to guard against. Who cares who wins the Super Bowl? Okay, I'm an old guy. I know that. But who, care who, wins? who cares who wins the Super Bowl? What, is that gonna, what value is that going to be at the end of life? Girls, for, something, for you, it's something else. I don't know what, what to put in there. But are we guarding our heart? There's so much... There's so much half-truth out there. Sometimes it's not, what you, it's not what they tell you, it's what they don't tell you. These podcasts or sermons. Be careful. People are being deceived. People are being led astray because they are not analyzing what is coming into their heart. That is my plea for you this morning that you guard your heart. You know... Remember in that story we started with, that moment of carelessness, that moment of lethargy cost Montcalm's troops everything. 
Are you letting down your guard or are you being diligent? All right, I would like to finish up here with a couple of things very briefly that the proverb writer gives us that we can pick out of these verses that will help us to stay focused and guard our heart. The first one is stay focused. In verse 25 and verse 27, he says, let thine eyes look right on. That sounds like being somebody being focused to me. We're not looking to the right. We're not looking to the left. We are looking straight on. We aren't distracted. The devil has many things out there to distract us. Are we on guard? Don't be distracted. Let thine eyes look right on. Take fast hold of instruction. You are doing that this week. The last couple weeks, I believe. You're taking fast hold of instruction. It says that in verse 13. Take fast hold. That, that has a... You know, today, there's a lot of young people don't want to be instructed. They don't want to hear what their parents have to say. They don't want to hear what the church leaders have to say. They don't want to hear what any authority has to say in their life. So, I bless you for being willing to come here and learn. But take fast hold of that. Have a death grip on that. You know, if you are a drowning man, if there's a drowning man in the lake and you throw a life preserver to them, they will take fast hold on that life preserver. They will hang on to it because they know it is their life. That is the picture I get as God wants us to cling to that instruction. Take fast hold on instruction. No one can pry it from your fingers. We won't disregard it. We will hear it and we will do it. You are learning a lot of things these three weeks. What are you going to do with them when you leave here? Are you going to apply them? Are you going to live them out? Avoid the path of the wicked, verses 14 and 15. Turn from it. Flee from it. Go the other, direc- go the other direction. As youth, you face more temptations maybe than at any other point in your life. Although the devil is no respecter of persons, you'll make sure that when you're my age, you still have some temptations. But I think as a youth, you're at an especially vulnerable time in your life. And so it is especially important that you're guarding your heart. Avoid the path of the wicked. Verse 20, he says, My son, attend to my words, incline thine ear unto my sayings. That word incline means to perk up. At home we have... uh, we have a, a few, a, a tiny little herd of, of miniature donkeys. And, and this lent some new meaning to that word as I, as I realized what that meant. But donkeys are, when they see or hear something, and they're very alert, they can see, uh, we live kind of, there's a hill behind our house, and, and the deer in the evening sometimes come down over there to, to the fields. And, and they can be coming down that field. You can barely see them. But you see those donkeys, they're staring at something. Their ears are perked up. They're like pointed forward. And you cannot distract them. They are focused on what they are looking at. And so you stand there and look, what do these things see in? And sure enough, here's a deer, or maybe it's the neighbor they're watching, or whatever. They are focused. You can't distract them. You can call them, you can whatever. You can't distract them. Is that how I am inclining my ear toward the sayings of God? Well, in verse 5, if we would back up, we didn't read verse 5. But he says, get wisdom, get understanding, forget it not, neither decline from the words of my mouth. That word decline means to have a natural bend away from what is right. Do not bend away from God's word, but rather bend toward God's word. Be attracted toward God's word. 
Well, verse 24, we will be careful with our mouth. Put away from thee a froward mouth and perverse lips put far from thee. We will be careful what we do with our tongue. We will speak words of life. Are you speaking words of life? Ponder the path of thy feet. Ponder. That word ponder means to weigh it out. Put, put the path of your feet on a scale, if you please, against the word of God. Which one, do they balance or don't they? Ponder the path of thy feet. Weigh them out carefully. Do not turn from the right or to the left. Remove thy foot from evil, it says in the last verse. Also in verse 26, he says, Let all thy ways be established. Let, the, let thy ways be established. Are you standing on solid ground? Are your feet planted firmly on the word? Do you know where you are going? Do you know what you are doing? As you look back over the trajectory of the last year in your life, do you like what you see? I don't know what that is. But you do. As you look back over what has happened in the past year, the trajectory you are on, is it a good one? After you've analyzed that, look out the other direction and see if you can see where that is going to take you. My challenge is to guard your heart. For out of it are the issues of life. You know, if I do not guard my heart, I will not want to pray. If I regard iniquity in my heart, God says he won't hear our prayers. And if, God, if I get to the place where God is not hearing my prayer anymore, then I have no relationship with God. Then my heart is dead. So I challenge you to guard your heart. Our take-home challenge this morning. Where will your heart take you? There's a verse that we didn't get to, but there's a verse in the Bible that tells us where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. And, and, and that's maybe talking about money, but I, I also like to think that where, our, where the things that are valuable to us, whatever is valuable to us, that is where our heart will be. That is where our heart will go. What is valuable to you this morning? Your heart will follow that. Your interests, your desires will lead you someplace. Are you guarding your heart? Are your interests, are your desires, are your goals safe for you to follow? Where will that trajectory take you? Guard your heart for out of it are the issues of life. God bless you. Brother Dave.